Thank you, O Lord, that you are our God. Thank you, Father God. We ask for your forgiveness, O Lord, that many times in our lives we make you small. We ask for, for wisdom, O Lord, as we study your word today. As I speak your word, O Lord, we pray, Father God, that you will be glorified and we will be obedient to your word, Father. Thank you, O Lord, for this day. Override my preparation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, as I have said, there are two kinds of mission that people pursue in their life. The first is the worldly uh, the worldly centered mission. We know that. It's all against the Bible. We have all pursued this kind of mission in life. Right? We wanted to get rich. We wanted to be the best students in our university. We wanted to be the best husband. We wanted to be the best mom by providing money, by, by giving material things to our kids. We want to be great. We want to have money in our banks. We pursue the limelight of the world. We want, we, we want to be centered by all the, the, the people. We want to be famous. We want our kids to be perfect. We want our wife to be beautiful so that people around me will say how good husband I am. Or vice versa. You know, the problem with this worldly-centered mission is all about me. It's all about what I can do for myself. And sometimes we make we Christianized it. What we do is that, Pastor, I, I, I go to church. I sometimes read the Word of God. I sometimes pray. I sometimes, you know, fellowship. We Christianize this kind of mission, the worldly mission in our lives. And a lot of times, why Christians are not so successful in their work, in their walk, in their, uh, in their Christian walk or spiritual walk with Christ is that they love to have this worldly mission. They pursue this mission. They wanted to, to be at the center of this mission. The world is their mission. And the second kind of mission is the, the Christ-centered mission. We all know this. We have read this in the Bible. Pastor Ken and I taught this about the Christ-centered life. What is Christ-centered mission anyway? Have you asked yourself, what is Christ-centered mission? To do His will. Am I right? 
Have you ever asked yourself what is God's will in your life? Have you ever asked that to yourself? The name of our church bear God's will. What is the name of our church? Glory of God. God's will in your life is to glorify Him. I love what Paul said in Romans 12, chapter one, uh, Romans 12 verse 1 to, says, to 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable to God. The will of God for your life, and this is actually very important, is to glorify Him in your life. Like Paul, Paul walked with Christ. Paul made sure that every step of his life or every mission that he will do was to glorify God. And even at the end of his life, if you are going to open your Bible to chapter 28 of Book of Acts, verse 17 and 13, we will see how God How God worked and how his mission was Christ-centered. After three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or the custom of our, our ancestors, I was delivered as a prison from Jerusalem into the hand of the Romans. After they examined me, they wanted to release me since I had not committed a capital offense. Because the Jews objected. I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. It was not as though I had any accusation against my nation. For this reason, I've asked to see you and speak to you. In fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. Then they said to him, We haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers has come and reported of or spoken anything evil about you. But we would like to hear from you what you think for concerning this sect. We are aware that it is spoken against everywhere. After rearranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging from dawn to dusk. He expounded and witnessed about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophet. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit correctly spoke to the prophet, Isaiah, to your ancestors. When he said, go to these people and say, you will listen and listen, yet never understand. And you will look and look, yet never perceive. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears <coughs> are hard of, of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears 
understand with their heart and be converted and I would heal them. Verse 28, Therefore, I let it, let it be known to you that this saving work of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And after he said these things, the Jews departed while engaging in a prolonged debate among themselves. Then he stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with full boldness and with hindrance. As we all know, Paul is now in Rome. He is chained because of the accusation that the Jews made in Israel. We know that he is now struggling to make sure to preach the gospel even at to the end of the world. And we have heard also and we have read how all these challenges he had in his life going to Rome. He was beaten to death. He was almost beaten to death and hated by his old peers or friends. And majority of the people hated Paul. He was accused unjustly by people. He was jailed many times and flogged many times. He experienced shipwrecked. If I am friend with Paul, I probably will not go near him. He, he is a very challenging person. Back in the Philippines, we have a saying that if a person is or, 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 or experiencing bad things all the time, we say, my balance is a pet. Am I right? Paul is like that. He experienced every challenge in his life or every challenges that you can imagine in his life. And even though he had these challenges in his life, he even go to Rome. Even someone prophesied that he will die, he still went to Rome because he wanted to fulfill his mission that was or, or, or his mission that God had given him. Paul's dedication to fulfill God's mission in his life is seen in this chapter. We all know that he is in Rome, that he is about to die. But guess what? Guess what he did? He called the Jewish leaders. These people who didn't know about Jesus Christ. After he arrived from a long journey from Israel to Rome, after three days he called together the leaders of the Jews. It's not like our modern transport today. That if you want to go to the Philippines, just ride Philippine Airlines and, and in 24 hours you're in the Philippines. It took Paul months. And even they stayed in one of the island, Malta, because of, of winter and shipwreck. He was tired. But after three days, he called these people. Why? He wanted to evangelize them. He wanted to share Christ. 
to them. That is his mission in life. And when he called them, he gathered them, he called them brothers. Paul is a polite person. He laid them his testimony or, or, or his, his life testimony. He told them that, brothers, I am enchained. But guess what? My, 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 my conscience is clear. These people are accusing me that I broke our tradition. No, it's not. They, they are accusing me that, that I am breaking God's law. It's not true. I am in prison right now. And they wanted to kill me. And in verse 18, he said, I had not committed any capital offense. And he said in verse 20, For this reason I have asked to see you and speak to you. In fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. Paul's life mission is to share the gospel wherever he is. Even when he is wearing this chain, this chain did not deter him from sharing the gospel, from sharing the gospel about the or for sharing the gospel of salvation to these people. You know what, church? I like what I like about Paul's strategy. If he probably a general in our Christian army. I like the way he used his situation. He is in chain, but he used that situation to advance the gospel. Probably you have situation in your life that is, that is so low, that is so challenging, that you think that God will never use it. You have probably a problems in your life or, or or in your work or in your marriage and your children and you think that God will not use it to to advance the gospel to the people you know you're wrong look at Paul look at Paul he took he grabbed that uh, that situation and he actually used that situation to share the gospel and what I love about Paul is that whenever he shared or whenever he go to to a different place he will not wait for something to happen if you are going to to read the book of Acts uh, after he was called by God he never wait for something to happen what he does all the time is that he will make things to happen he will go to synagogues he will go to places where people are gathering and he will start sharing the gospel Paul is 
a, 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 a person who does not wait for something to happen. What, what, a, what a character of Paul. And I can't, I can't count how many times I waited for tomorrow to, to share a gospel to my friend uh, uh, when I was in the Philippines. I said, probably someday uh, or tomorrow I can share the gospel to, to my friend. When I was in the Philippines, I always have this manana habit. I'll share the gospel to my best friend probably tomorrow. And I always make sure to, to have that post, uh, to, to postpone everything uh, or to postpone uh, in sharing Christ. I will still have tomorrow. And then God called me here. And I had never had a chance to talk to him in person about Christ. What I do is I just share the gospel through Facebook. And it's hard for him to believe because he does not see or, 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 or see the, the changes that God had made in my life. Paul is not that kind of person. He doesn't wait. He makes things or he will make a way to share the gospel. Not only he knows how to use his situation for the gospel, he captivates their minds by his statement. He was in chain. And he will say, brothers, I, my, my conscience is clear. They wanted to kill me. My conscience is clear. And then these people starting to, to ask themselves, if you are, are, if you are innocent, why are you in chain? Why do you have that metal in your, in your, in your wrist? And he said, in fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. What, what, what hope? What are, you, what are you talking about, Paul? You are in chain. There's no hope because you know you're going to die. But Paul said, no. These chains represent the hope for Israel. In other words, I am in chain because I care for you. And because, because of that, they wanted to hear Paul. In verse 21, when he said that these, people's, this, these people told Paul that none of the brothers has come and reported or spoken anything evil about you. What a testimony. No one spoken anything evil about you. A godly mission uh, or a godly centered mission is that you will have a good testimony. If God will ask your co-workers or your neighbor about 
your life? Will they speak good things about you? Or will they will speak evil things about you? You know, church, sometimes the best way to reach for these people is our, through our testimony. Because when we speak about the Word of God, they will not believe it unless they see that you are living by that Word, by God's Word. When these people said none of the brothers had reported or spoken anything evil about you, they said we would like to hear it or to hear from you what you think concerning this sect we are aware that is spoken against everywhere. See what Paul did in this situation. He made them curious about the Christ that he had and about the life, because of the life that he lived. They wanted to know about this faith that he has. And they are willing to, to continue their gathering, their, their uh, fellowship, even to the next day. In verse 23, they said, After arranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dust, he expounded and witnessed about the kingdom of God. From dawn to dust, he expounded. The word expounded means Paul revealed the truth to these people. We have friends and families who read the Bible, am I right? We have co-workers, sometimes they quote the Bible. And the most famous uh, verse that they quote is, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They think that that verse is only for the blessing of God. And if they have blessing because God is good to them, but if they are facing um, challenges or problems in life, they say, where is God? We have friends like that. Am I right? They think they know the Word of God. But in reality, they don't understand the Word of God. And look what Paul did. He expounded the truth to these leaders in the Jewish community in Rome. They are the best Bible scholars. But they miss the, the, the message of the scripture. And sometimes and most of the time, all we need to do to, for these people is we need to expound to them. We need to reveal the true meaning of the word to these people, to our friends and to our family. We don't need to debate them. 
We don't need to, to show off what we have for them to believe Christ. But all we need is to expound, to reveal the truth in the Bible. And he expounded the truth the whole day. I attended a seminar uh, one time. It's it's a, a, a whole day seminar, and I can't wait for that seminar to 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 finish, to be finished. But these people listen to Paul from dawn to dusk. Mula five o'clock till probably. Six and he tried to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. He persuaded them. The persuasion is not, he's like begging. No, it's not. He was telling them, hey, what you believe, what you have quoted in the Bible, it is true, and it is pointing Christ. The sacrificial act that you do in the temple, it is true. It is pointing Christ. That's how he persuaded these people concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. From both, from the law of Moses and the prophets. How do you expound the word of God to your friends and to your family? We've been asking you, have you done or have you uh, done the, the one by one? Churches, it's not for, for the leaders' benefit why we are telling you to do it. It is for your own benefit. The reason why we have Sunday school here is not because we wanted Brother Lambert to, to just to be here. No, it's for your own benefit. The reason why you teach in your small group and why we are encouraging you to be part of small group is because for your own benefit. It's not for ours. It's not for our own benefit. It's not for the pastor's benefit. So that you can expound the truth. When you learn from the word of God, from, from your other brothers and, and sisters in that small group, you will also share that knowledge, that wisdom that you have learned from your small group to your friends and to your co-workers. And I was talking to the group of people last night. And someone was telling me about how our world changed, that the immorality of this world is so rampant, and that this person was so uh, afraid of, of alimony and everything. And I said to him, brother, it's, n it's not a surprise for us. Because it is already written in the Bible. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Before he comes, the sin of the world will increase. 
What is not clear about that statement? And he was telling me that no, it's because uh, people around, around them are, are telling them that this and that, it's against the Bible. And I asked him the question, is it right to follow their, uh, or whatever they said to you? And he told me, no, he's not. And that's the answer. I opened the Bible to this person, to this uh, group of people. Not literally the Bible, and I, but what I did is I told them about the Bible. I told them about the message of the Bible. And when Paul mentioned, and when Paul taught these people about God, and when Paul tried to persuade him about the Lord Jesus Christ, these people... Some of them were persuaded, but some did not believe. You know, sometimes when we are doing God's mission in our lives, especially in sharing the gospel, especially in telling the world about the, 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 sal uh, the salvation that we have received, people, some people will be persuaded or will believe what you have said, but others will not. Most of the times, others will not. But that's okay. What have we learned from Sunday school is that when we say something about the Word of God, we are gardening. If they did not believe about God at that time, it's okay. It's not your fault. It's not your loss, too. It's okay. So Paul, when, when these people did not believe and they were disagreeing among themselves, Paul said, and quote a verse in, in Isaiah regarding these people, and this is not very good to hear, especially for these Jewish people, or, because they are very proud of their background and, and the Abrahamic uh, promises. He said in verse uh, 26, go to these people and say you will listen and listen, and yet never understand, and you will look and look, yet never perceive. Your heart, these people's heart, are callous. Your ears, they don't hear. Your eyes cannot see. Paul is telling them, in other words, Paul is telling them, you know what, you're reading the scriptures, but you don't see the word of God, you don't see the meaning of it. Why? Because your heart is callous. And because of that, he said to these people, because of that, this saving work of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and that's it. These people started to live. Why? Because they are proud of their genealogy. Remember, whenever the Lord Jesus Christ will speak to these teachers, they will say, we have Abraham as our father. 
Salvation was promised to us because of Abraham. That is their, their, their answer to the Lord Jesus Christ. But when they heard this, they was like, Paul, you're crazy. That's not true, Paul. And they started to depart. And when, while they were departing, they are debating among themselves. And this is what I, I really love about Paul uh, being obedient to, to the will of the Father to his life. Is that even though he had faced challenges in his uh, ministry in, in Rome, even though these leaders rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, he still continued doing his ministry. When the Jews rejected the gospel, Paul was not devastated about it. He actually continued. And because he obediently continued fulfilling God's mission in his life, God made him successful in ministering with all kinds of people that visited him in verse 30. He stayed in Rome two whole years in his own rented house. He was a prisoner, but he rent his, he's not in prison, but he owned, or he have his own uh, apartment. And he, a people started to visit him in that place. And this is, this is the, the, the main verse that I want to share to you. Verse 31. While doing the mission of God in his life in that place in Rome, he, uh, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with full boldness and without hindrance. I asked you a while ago, what is your mission in life? Is your mission in life to get rich? Is your mission in life to, is to, to, to have all the materials here on earth? Is your mission in life is to work 12 hours a day so that you will have a big funny check? after two weeks is your mission in life is just to enjoy your own time is your mission in life is God-centered I ask myself why Paul is so bold in his faith in finishing his task that was given to him Three answers I got from going back reading the book of Acts. First, it says he knows who called him. If you want to, to finish the task that was given to your life, the godly task that was given to you, know who called you. Secondly, his calling is true. 
God's calling is true to his life. God's calling is true to his life. Third, Paul prioritized God in his life. Paul prioritized God in his life. Church, what is your priority in life? Have you ever asked yourself, what is my priority in life? J.D. Greer, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, wrote in his book titled, Not God Enough. And I suggest and I encourage you to get this book. It's a very wonderful book. And he, he wrote in his book, and I am paraphrasing it, the reason why Christians are not successful in their Christian walk is that they view God as if he can fit in the palm of their hands. The way you live your Christian life is the reflection of your view about God. Today, I just want to end this preaching with this slide. I borrowed, it, I borrowed it from my mentor in the Philippines. And it's a very simple slide. In this circle, the center, the center is Christ. Everything we do in life must be centered through Christ. Our spiritual walk must be centered through Christ, not ourselves. Not because we want to become spiritual, because we want to be good to our neighbors or friends or to other people. No. It's because of Christ in our life. And secondly, our relationship. It must be Christ-centered. And if not, Make sure, pray, that it will be Christ-centered. Emotional. Whatever we feel, it must be Christ-centered. Sometimes, before uh, I have a very bad temper, when I <clears throat> attended the uh, uh, leadership training to, in, in CCF in, in Manila, they taught us that even before you say anything, process yourself. Process it. Is it godly? Is it Christ-centered? And if not, then don't say it. Secondly, even our health and wellness. I am guilty of this. I love to eat. And sometimes I I forget that I need to, to eat good because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Financial. It must be Christ-centered. It's not because I... I want this money, I want that, because I want to buy something beautiful. Ask yourself, 
Is my bank account glorifying God? Profession. Career of ministry. Is your profession or, or whatever profession that you're pursuing right now, is it Christ-centered? Or if you are in that profession, ask yourself, does God being glorified in the profession that I have right now? How about your ministry here in the church? Is it Christ-centered? It's not because you are doing church ministry in the church. It means it's God-centered ministry. Probably you're doing it because you nobody does it. Or you just want to impress people. Or the reason you are not participating in any ministry is because you don't see that you will glorify God in that ministry. Church, is your mission in life Christ-centered? Who is the center of your life? The world or Christ? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Paul, Father God. How you have called him from being an arrogant guy, from being an overachiever person, from being a selfish person. You have called him and you have humbled him, Father God. Father, I pray today that all your people that you call in this church, Father God, will humble themselves and that they will view you, that they will see you as a holy God, as a sovereign God. Father, it is our prayer that whatever mission that your church is pursuing right now, Father God, if it's worldly mission, Father God, we pray that you break that mission, Lord. Father God, because you want your people to glorify your name. And Father, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask, O oh Lord, that You give us an opportunity for us to exercise, O oh Lord, that we have a bigger God. And that our wants in our lives is not, necess uh, it's not a necessity, O oh Lord, in our spiritual walk with you. Father, I pray that your people will just be obedient to you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In this name we pray. Amen. Amen.